We have the story of a, the rich young man today. It's Mark chapter 10. He who runs up, kneels before Jesus, and asks him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus effectively answers him by laying out the commandments. And he responds, this young man, saying, I've actually observed all these pretty well, if I might add, since my youth. What more must I do? And at this point, if we just give a little pause, usually this is where Jesus calls him a hypocrite or, you know, calls him out, you Pharisee, duplicitous, out him as a phony. But we don't see that happen. Rather, it says Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, you are lacking one thing. Go sell what you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. That then come follow me is not a separate sentence, it's a part of giving to the poor. And at that statement, his face fell. He went away sad, for he had many possessions. In other words, by this look of love that he gave him, it seems that indeed this man was living a good, morally upstanding life. He was keeping the commandments. But this, perhaps theory, reality, doesn't really line up with how the gospel ends. He walks away sad. So we could ask ourselves, what happened in between the start of that encounter and the end of it? And I wager that there's actually nothing in the encounter itself, but an already present disposition of his heart before he ever even ran over and knelt down before Jesus. It was a disposition that became realized in the encounter. Jesus brought it to the surface. So perhaps true, the rich young man lives a good, morally upstanding life. He followed the commandments. But this was kind of a dead or, or limited definition of the good that did not encompass his whole heart, his whole being. Remember what Jesus even says. He says, why do you call me good? This definition of good that you have, only the Father is good. So instead of his radically living in the freedom of following the commandments, which he was doing on paper, it turns out he just wanted Jesus to tell him what to do. And then when D Jesus did just that, and he's like, one thing, one thing and you're golden. That didn't line up. And it's revealed that this man is not free. That he was enslaved to this law, enslaved to his wealth, a static and dead faith. He was almost being, we could say, calculating, careful, controlling, enslaved to himself. Just reflecting on this in prayer, I think we could ask ourselves, how often do people, how often do you and, and me, run to God, even to a priest, kneel down, wanting him to tell you what to do, to fix this or that, how to get eternal life? But the reality is that we cannot tell you what to do. The sacraments aren't magic. You have to believe with your heart, your faith, and ultimately weighs upon us. So Jesus is effectively saying, to this rich young man, he's saying to you and to me, be reckless with my love. Throw it all to the wind. Trust in me, trust my Father, and live. Live in that freedom. Let my word change your entire life. And immediately at the end of this encounter, when he walks away, Jesus turns around and he looks at his disciples and he says, how hard it is those who have well to enter the kingdom of heaven. They were amazed at his words, having just witnessed that encounter. 
And he says to them in reply, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. We've all seen children act before, being one ourselves, right? Perhaps having some, some grandchildren. Often, uh, their actions are pretty reckless. <laughs> uh, they're unbelievably trusting. Right? Their parents will always love them. It's raw, it's without guile. Uh, it's even perhaps authentically virtuous, even though it might not always be right in how they act. And Jesus says, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. How this ought to be for us, brothers and sisters, uh, to let that word hit our hearts like children, to live freely, and what he gives us. And I'd like to just end by repraying uh, the second reading we have from Hebrews today. It's a very priestly text talking about what the word ought to do to us, transform our entire being. He says, brothers and sisters, indeed the word of God is living and effective. It is sharper than a two-edged sword, penetrating even between soul and spirit, joints and marrow, able to discern reflections and thoughts of the heart. No creature is concealed from him, but everything is naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must render an account.